0: download the move app and log in with your mamma mia login head to move.mammamia.com.au and use code move10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription you're listening to, so to such a, <laughs> a mamma mia podcast from mamma mia hi i'm claire murphy welcome to the quickie getting you up to speed daily If you have family interstate and you live in New South Wales, the ACT or Victoria, or if you're in any state or territory and your family is overseas, there's a question that's being asked over FaceTime, phone calls and Zoom chats the country over. Do you think you'll be allowed to come for Christmas? Today, we look at what we can expect the country to look like when December 25 hits this year, whether we'll be reunited with family, cross borders or more likely those in other countries. While it's not quite advent calendar time just yet, the countdown to Christmas has well and truly begun this year, with many Aussies wondering if they'll be able to see their loved ones interstate or overseas this holiday season. For those who haven't been able to sneak in a trip when the borders have reopened for short periods during 2021, it may have been a year or more since they've been able to spend time together, despite living just a short plane ride away. My family is on the Gold Coast. I saw them earlier this year, thankfully, just before they snapped the borders shut again. We don't know what's going to happen with borders over Christmas, so there's a chance we may not get home. It's mostly frustrating because we just can't cement down what our Christmas plans are going to be. My sister moved to Perth early last year before the borders shut. And look, we've been really fortunate to be able to go visit her earlier this year. But I think the more we hear from Mark McGowan, the more we're concerned that there is kind of no end point or thing to look forward to because there is no date that we might be able to get over there and see her. For those with relatives overseas, it's definitely been years. It's just a matter of how
1: many. All of my family's in the U.S. and I was really hoping to get home this Christmas. I haven't seen my sisters since 2019 and I haven't seen my parents since March 2020. It's been so difficult.
0: My family are all back in the UK and I haven't seen them since April 2019. So it's a really difficult time. As much as I would absolutely love to fly back for Christmas,
1: the logistics and the costs is just too tricky. My family live back in the UK. I last saw them in January 2020. In terms of getting to see them this Christmas, I think it's extremely unlikely. The fact is that every expat in Australia is going to be trying to get on a plane.
0: The Aussie border's been shut for 18 plus months, but that doesn't mean if you've got family overseas, that's when you last saw them. Most people weren't expecting it and often can't afford to go overseas every year. So I actually haven't been back to the UK for six years and I haven't seen most of my family for over four years. Now, as Christmas approaches for a second year with COVID restrictions in place, New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT remain cut off from other states with hopes vaccine targets can be reached before December so plans to reopen those borders can be considered. But if Christmas 2021 was sponsored by anything, it would be brought to you thanks to the word modelling. Since that national cabinet back in July, when the plan was signed off on to allow vaccinated Australians to be exempt from travel restrictions, once that 80% double dose target was met, we've been hearing about how the modelling is being used as the basis of states and territories emerging from lockdowns and reopening borders. We were told all the premiers and chief ministers had signed off on that plan, But that has since turned into a different story for every region, despite the Prime Minister continually pushing for those borders to reopen.
1: We have to move forward. We cannot hold back, because if not at 70% and 80%, then when?
0: In South Australia, Premier Stephen Marshall says his government is on board for the National Cabinet Plan, but won't be pushed to reopen borders faster just because people want to go home for Christmas.
1: I think that we will get to the double-dose vaccination well before Christmas here in South Australia. I'm not seeing much hesitancy. What we've got to make sure, though, is that we need some balance, so we don't need just an average of 80%, which has some pockets which are very much lower-level protected.
0: SA is currently just over 50% double-dose vaccinated and expected to reach 80% by December 6th. WA Premier Mark McGowan has made no secret that he's still pursuing a COVID zero strategy and that the matter of reopening borders won't be influenced by the National Cabinet Plan or pressure from others.
1: Obviously, we'll bring down the border at some point in time with New South Wales and Victoria. But I'm not going to set an artificial deadline of Christmas. What we want to avoid happening here is what is happening in New South Wales and Victoria. So staying COVID-free for as long as we can whilst we get our vaccination rates up to very high levels, I think is just a sensible, reasonable thing to do.
0: WA is currently also sitting at just over 50% double-dose vaccinated, expected to hit 80% December 8th. Tasmanian Premier Peter Gutwin in early September said that they would be sticking to the National Cabinet plan to reopen.
1: We in the main agreed to an aspiration to work towards the opening up of borders across the country, including a national approach to travel in terms of protocols, testing and data sharing by Christmas.
0: But by the end of September, he warned that they would not be reopening to all of the country until they reached 90% vaccination rate, saying they'd risk losing Tasmanian lives and that COVID would quickly spread if they opened before that. Tasmania is due to reach 80% double-dose vaccination rate on November 11. Up in Queensland, and Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk has also been vocal in not being pushed to reopen borders once vaccine targets are met, despite also signing off on the deal at the National Cabinet. Let me make it very clear, we will
2: always put Queenslanders first and we do not have any intentions of opening any borders whilst there is community transmission active in Victoria and in New South Wales.
0: Queensland is expected to reach 80% vaccination target in early December. But when Ms Palaszczuk was asked if borders would then reopen in time for Christmas, she said not necessarily. Queensland's Chief Health Officer Jeanette Young said business should prepare and hope for interstate visitors by Christmas. The Northern Territory's Chief Minister Michael Gunner announced their plans to reopen borders once they reach 80% double-dose vaccination target. It says unvaccinated travellers from at-risk COVID zones will be stopped from entering the Territory. They'll be using a traffic light system, with those from green zones having unrestricted access, orange zone travellers will need to self-isolate until they return a negative COVID test, and red zone people will have to undergo the full 14 days of quarantine, either at home or at a suitable location. Those who are unvaccinated will have to apply for an exemption and spend their quarantine at Howard Springs. Over 67% of over-16s are now double-dosed in the NT, but they're not predicted to reach 80% until January 7th next year. Travel within New South Wales will be permitted once 80% of the population are double-dosed, a level that's now predicted to be reached as soon as October 20, the state now sitting at over 88% single-dosed and more than 70% double-dosed. The ACT is neck and neck with New South Wales when it comes to double doses, with the Capital Territory also predicted to reach 70% within a matter of days. But when it comes to the single vaccination rate, they're leading the whole country, currently sitting on over 94%. People from the ACT will also be allowed to travel within New South Wales when New South Wales reaches 80% in a couple of weeks' time. But what will happen with Victoria is another question as they battle massive case numbers while also looking towards easing restrictions with rising vaccine rates too, expecting to hit 80% vaccination rate on November 8. Professor Adrian Esterman is Chair of Biostatistics and Epidemiology at the University of South Australia. Professor, can you run us through exactly how this modelling works and why it now seems to differ between states and territories?
2: Different states are using different modeling groups. So the federal government's using Doherty Institute, for example, the Victorian government is using the Burnett Institute modeling. And they all use similar types of models. They're called agent-based models. And what they do is they simulate, say, a million people. And to each person they assign an age, a sex, an education level, location, what sort of job they've got, or are they at school, you know, what their social habits are. And of course their disease status. And then they simulate the interaction between all of these. Then they can do what we call what-if modelling. So what if we lock down a certain area or what if we increase the rate of vaccination? It works quite well. These models are extremely powerful. They have to use big computers to get the results out. But at the same time, the very complexity makes the actual results, let's say, have to be looked at very carefully. So when any of these modeling groups give a report to government with all the modeling results, it's always full of caveats. You know, we made assumptions A, B, C, and D. We use, you know, 30 odd parameters. Each was an educating guess, or we knew the result, or we didn't. Things like incubation period of the Delta variant generation interval, how long someone's infectious for. A lot of these things are educated guesses that go into the models. The big problem is that these models, they're very good for planning and trying to see what will happen. But the government is not using it for that. They're saying, as soon as you get to 80% fully vaccinated, we will do blah, blah, blah. And this is a little bit silly because whenever you take action, it should be based on what the current situation is, not on some figure pulled out from a model.
0: So could you give us an example of why, say, some states, like New South Wales, are going on modelling that says when they do reach 80% double vaccinated target, then they are able to start the process of reopening, whereas... The Tasmanian government, for example, have said no, their modelling shows 90%. What would the differences be that would make one state need 90% vaccine target and another
2: 80%? So, as I said, there's like seven or eight modelling groups around Australia all using these agent based models and all getting slightly different results. So, the Doherty Institute modelling said that when you get to 70% of 16 plus fully vaccinated, then 80% of 16 plus fully vaccinated, you're going to start relaxing some restrictions. But the Grattan Institute modelling, which occurred a week before the Doherty, said it has to be eighty percent of the whole population, not sixteen plus. And then you've got Burnett Institute saying the same thing, it has to be eighty percent of the whole population. So different models produce different estimates and each government just cherry picks whichever one it wants, basically. Well,
0: can we look at a state, well the only state as far as I can see at this point, who's saying that they are likely to reopen to some point to those states that have COVID cases by Christmas. So I'm talking about South Australia at this point. They have very little COVID, community transmission have had very little since the pandemic began. What would that modelling show once they reopen borders if they do take into account only allowing double vaccinated people to travel, maybe the use of rapid antigen testing in that process too and all the other checks and balances of isolating and testing and tracing is there a big risk that South Australia's COVID cases will just explode if they're allowed to welcome New South Wales and Victorian residents for Christmas?
2: Absolutely. If you've got 80% of 16 plus fully vaccinated, it means there's 20% who aren't and they're at risk of getting infected. And That's an awful lot of people. In the UK, they're getting 36,000 cases a day. Now, they've got 82% of 16-plus fully vaccinated, which is not too dissimilar to New South Wales, 36,000 cases a day. Now, Australia's got a population, about 40% of that of the UK. That means when we open things up, and I'm not talking about fully open. I'm talking about still with some restrictions in place. We're going to have to expect 14,000 cases a day. So at some stage, all states and territories are going to have to open up. We don't have any choice. But if you do it when it's a higher percentage, let's say 90% fully vaccinated, then you've got far less chance of getting these explosive outbreaks.
0: What if they were to reopen borders, but only to those areas that aren't considered a hotspot at that stage? So say regional areas that aren't showing very many COVID cases. If they could reopen to those areas, would we see a much less chance of that happening?
2: Absolutely. So this is the general idea. So as I said, all states and territories are going to have to open up, even Western Australia, right? They have no choice. But what you can do is you can do it cleverly. So for example, you can say, look, I'm going to start off by opening up to regions, say, of New South Wales, which don't have many cases or have got no cases, and everyone has to be fully vaccinated. Well, the risk is almost zero. So you can do it very sensibly, and most states and territories will be doing it sensibly. So rather than having a Freedom Day like they had in the UK and the Netherlands, they'll simply say, look, we're gonna give extra freedom to people who are fully vaccinated. We're gonna wait two or three weeks to make sure we aren't getting this huge explosion of cases. If that's okay, then we'll open up the next restriction and keep going like that. And if they keep doing that, by the time we get to Christmas, we'll have virtually the whole population fully vaccinated.
0: The reality is, for some residents of New South Wales, the ACT and Victoria, they may be able to travel overseas before they can see friends and family interstate. Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced recently that international borders would reopen in November once the 80% national vaccination target was met. It's time to
2: give Australians their lives back.
0: That means vaccinated passengers who return a pre-flight negative COVID test will only have to do one week of quarantine on their return home. That time can also be done at home, travellers no longer having to shell out the $3,000 for hotel quarantine. Travel would not immediately be reopened for foreign tourists to come here, but Mr Morrison said they are working towards welcoming visitors back to our shores. But not all the premiers and chief ministers agree on allowing this to go forward, and it's up to the individual state or territory whether they'll accept returning Aussies. At this stage, it looks like New South Wales and Victoria will go ahead with the return to international travel, but Queensland and WA definitely won't at this stage. There are still Australians stranded overseas who haven't been able to return home since the borders were shut back in March 2020. But while all this talk of reopening in reunions with friends and family rages across the nation, there are pockets of our community who are watching on with fear. Regional areas with slow vaccine uptake and vulnerable First Nations communities are waiting to see what an easing of restrictions will look like for them. And as Green Senator for Western Australia, Jordan Steele-John, who represents a number of portfolios, including disability rights and services, says those with a disability might be left behind in lockdown while the rest of the country reopens.
1: There absolutely is, and not just among disabled people, but also among other parts of our community that are still not protected by the vaccine. We've got young people, we've got the immunocompromised people that are on chemotherapy and going through medical treatments that mean they can't be vaccinated, and also among First Nations people. All of these groups have really low levels of vaccination even though we were meant to be at the centre of the government's plan to vaccinate our community.
0: Well, can we talk about that for a second? Because people with a disability were in 1A of that rollout, but it looks like 38% of eligible NDIS participants have had two doses. 38% seems ludicrously low. Why has that not seen a bigger number of people vaccinated if you're in 1A group of the rollout?
1: Well, you're so right, Claire, it is ludicrously long. If we reverse back to the beginning of the pandemic and the production of a vaccine and its availability in Australia, there was real fear about this virus among disabled people because we understood how dangerous it was for us. So we all banded together nationally and lobbied the government to be part of the prioritisation plan, the Category 1A situation that we've talked so much about. And what that meant is that as we received the vaccine those will go into the arms of people that if we got corona, we'd be in a really bad way. And that was meant to be done and sorted by about May this year it very rapidly became clear to disabled folks that that just was not occurring. And we started asking a bunch of questions as to why. And what we eventually found out was that in secret, without telling anybody, the Morrison government had actually taken disabled people off the list of prioritization. And that therefore meant that we were not getting the vaccines that we needed at the speed that we needed to received them, meaning that we've come to this point where we're just about to really quite radically change the way that we manage corona in the community, right? Removing lockdowns and things like that. And yet, we're only at 38, 39% of the population covered. And it's both frightening for us as disabled people, but also really frustrating that our government has put us in this situation.
0: So should you be rushing to buy a plane ticket now before prices skyrocket? Will we be allowed to go home for Christmas or have our family come to us from interstate this year? Well, all that remains to be seen. But Professor Esterman says our chances of it happening are looking pretty good.
2: I think there's a pretty good chance, I'd probably put it 80% chance, of all interstate travel being okay by Christmas.
0: That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri.